You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Dr. Jason Olitsky is past president of the Florida Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry and an accredited member of the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He is also an accredited digital smile design master. He is clinical adjunct faculty with Arizona School of Dentistry and Oral Health. He maintains a private practice with his wife and dental partner, Colleen, in Florida. Welcome, Dr. Olitsky. Thank you, Phil. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, we're delighted to have you. Um, so let's get started right in. I have a, uh, we'll, we'll be asking some questions during this podcast. First question is, what is your first step when starting to develop a treatment plan for a patient? You know, when I, when I think about treatment planning, I think about what I learned in dental school and how, how it applies to me today, because so much has changed as far as how I used to treatment plan to how I treatment plan now. Mm-hmm. And the way we're used to treatment planning in a way we're learning in dental school is single tooth dentistry. And so we're used to sitting down chair side with patients and, you know, and looking at a tooth and saying, this tooth needs a root canal, this tooth needs an MOD, this tooth needs a crown. And uh, let's get them into perio first, get everything cleaned up, and then we can start a restorative work. And that is, uh, that's looking at treatment planning as far as single tooth dentistry is concerned. But nowadays, I'm looking at things more comprehensively, uh, doing, putting together comprehensive treatment plans for my patient. So, you know, I remember my first job out of school, I was working at corporate dentistry. I actually worked in corporate, corporate dentistry for a few years before I opened up my own, you know, cosmetic practice. Mm-hmm. And it gave me the opportunity to learn or figure things out. And the way I used to treatment plan when I first graduated, I don't know if any of the listeners can, can, um, can uh, you know, relate with the way I used to do it. But I used to sit down in the dental chair and my assistant would be sitting across from me and we'd start treatment planning. And I'd look at each tooth and, and I'd first look, say, like number two, I'd say that that needs a MOD. And then I'd look at tooth number three, and I, I wouldn't want to say the word crown. So what I would say would be PFM, which in dental school was porcelain fused to metal, or PFG, we used to call them porcelain fused to gold. So I'd use this an acronym, PFG or PFM, and we'd go around the whole mouth. And then when we were done treatment planning the whole mouth, I would slowly back my chair up out of the room and back out before the patient could see me, right? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have to go over the treatment plan with the patient because then the assistant would have to go over the treatment plan. I could, I remember sitting in the hallway and the assistant would be talking to the, to the, to the patient. She'd say, <clears throat> okay, Dr. Litsky says here that you, he thinks you need four crowns. And the, the, the patient would be saying, four crowns, four crowns? The last dentist didn't tell me I needed four crowns. You know, I'd be in the hallway and be like, oh, no, you know, this is exactly what I was afraid of. You know, so that's, that's so, yeah, so fast forward, you know, you know, a number of years and, and comprehensively treatment planning people is totally different because now when I walk into a room, I'm really looking at the entire system. I'm not just looking at each tooth. So when I'm treatment planning, I'm looking for you know, signs or, or symptoms of adaptation to bad bites, you know, and I'm looking at the whole system together, not just looking per tooth, because I wouldn't want a treatment plan per each tooth individually, because I want to make sure that the patient is getting, ma- maintaining properly, that they're going to end up in a good place when we're done. I'm not just working each one tooth at a time. So uh, that's what I do in my treatment planning now is I, I walk into the room, I get to know somebody very well, and and then I start looking at um, the whole, the mouth as a system. We'll look at the joint, we'll look at the muscles, and then we look at the tops of teeth and we make assessments. Is this patient maintaining well, or is this, you know, a system that's that's in failure mode? You know, is it adapting to something that's not working out properly? 
And then if, if it looks like everything's, everything's healthy, everything's looking good, uh, low risk factors, and then, and then I'll, I'll treatment plan, then maybe they need a filling, maybe they need a crown. That's, that's fine because everything looks fine. But, but if the system is breaking down, then I don't just start treatment planning each tooth like I did before. What I'll do is I'll ask to get records. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get impressions of the teeth and I'll get a, a open bite centric relation record, a CR bite record and a face spell. And we'll get things mounted to start properly diagnosing so we can make the system better in the process of doing all this restorative dentistry. So that's, that's the way I start treatment planning now. But my practice is a whole is, is probably a lot different than a lot of a lot of the listeners because 90 percent of my patients come in for cosmetic dentistry. So I don't have patients coming in ask, asking for new patient exams and cleanings. What they're looking for is improvements to their smile. Mm-hmm. And so my the start of my treatment planning process is a lot different where I, I build rapport with somebody and then we take pictures in a photo studio and then we go look at the pictures together. And it's at that point when I'm looking at the pictures with the patient is where. I guess another office grabs a patient out of their regular, out of a regular exam, has them come back with their records and, and looks at pictures with records together. And at the same point now, we're treatment planning and we're getting to the same place. One, one reason was functionally, my reason may be aesthetically, but we're ending up at the same place. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing you look at with treatment planning a case, whether it's functional or aesthetics, is with incisal edge position. Right. So that is where, that's where it all comes together with incisal edge position is step one. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. Uh, treating the patient as a whole versus tooth dentistry. Um, that was excellent. Let me ask you a question. H- how much does the material that you are currently using play into the treatment planning itself? I have a, I have a comfort level with materials. I have materials that I want to use. And so my, my process of elimination, when I see somebody and I'm planning something aesthetic or functional for them, I'm thinking to myself, can I use what I love to use? And uh when I first started doing cosmetic dentistry, the material, my go-to material was always Empress, a lucite reinforced porcelain, a silicate-based etchable porcelain that has beautiful, is very beautiful. And so for my aesthetic cases, I would always be thinking Empress first. But Empress, Empress wouldn't hold up as well in the posterior under higher function. It did great for the anterior teeth, but as soon as we turned the corner, we went to the premolars and molars, it's where we'd start to see it under load, where we'd start to see some failures over time. And so what I wanted to do is just treatment plan the whole mouth for Empress, but I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then when you fast forward, uh, when you fast forward to now, we have a material with track record that's just as beautiful as, Emp- as Empress, but stronger, and that's Emacs. And uh, Emacs means, which is something I learned, you know, Emacs actually means Empress to the max, because what it's doing is it's taking the beauty of Empress and adding the flexural strength that we need in a system that can be robust enough to use in the entire mouth. And that's that's the missing link of what we didn't have before to what we have now is something that's highly aesthetic we can use in the whole mouth. And that includes second molars. So my go-to material would be Emacs in the entire mouth. Now, for my high aesthetic cases, I still go to Empress in the anterior for certain aesthetic cases, but, it's a, but you get some of the compromise in strength. So we're Empress, is you know 200 megapascals of flexural strength by axial testing. Emacs is over 500 megapascals of flexural strength with biaxial testing, and so it's quite a bit stronger. Right, right. But one, that, one of the um, mm-hmm. one of the things that dentists doing is they they think they need more strength, so they'll go to zirconia, and they'll say, well, this patient's a bruxer and they're destroying their teeth, and so let's do something, let's do full contour zirconia. Uh, but that's not that's not something that I've adopted in my practice because I'm finding Emacs to be strong enough. 
to uh, withhold forces within the mouth without going to full contour zirconia. Mm -hmm. And so when I need to use zirconia is more cases of like posterior bridges right. uh, where you, you know, tooth replacement in the posterior. And uh, then I'll make that monolithic, but we'll do, we'll do cutbacks in the facial areas out of function, out of the functional zones for aesthetics. And um, in cases of very dark preparations where zirconia does a great job of blocking out darker preparations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, so, you, you probably covered this in, in your last answer, which was excellent, because yeah. my next question, and as I said, you probably covered some of it, uh, do you consider aesthetics or longevity uh, first? What's your priority when choosing the restorative material? It's, it is so patient-dependent that uh, I do an assessment of the patient and make a determination of what's going what's gonna to make that patient happy. And I'll tell you, I, I would say in my patient base, I have some pretty particular people, you know, sure. <laughs> we all patients do. that are coming to two or three consults, right? And so they're, they're looking for a certain look. And so a lot, of my, a lot of my clients, I have a discussion with them, but we'll lean more towards aesthetic materials and take on the risk together that we're maybe not using the strongest material. So you know, I weigh the risks and benefits, but a lot of my risks weigh in the aesthetic zone. Mm -hmm. So that's another risk factor that we have to assume with patients is are we going to make them happy aesthetically? Another another category would be functional risk. And so I take on a lot of aesthetic risks with my patients and that I, I do quite a bit to make them happy. Whereas in most practices or a lot of practices, patients may not be as discriminating and not notice any difference between Empress and Emacs. And so they would choose Emacs right away in their practices. So um, but as far as longevity goes, we have really good track records with, with both those materials, but I'm really liking the success rates that I see with Emacs. And so as I see technicians and um, as I see the, the way they're working with materials, the Emacs is getting more and more beautiful. It's getting really difficult to tell the difference between Empress and Emacs. And so you take me, somebody who's been using Empress for so long, and I'm saying, you know what? Now Emacs is looking so good. It's getting hard to tell the difference. So I'm going more towards Emacs for longevity. Right, right. Okay, that's fantastic information, Dr. Litsky. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us for this podcast, and hopefully we will see you soon for another one. My pleasure. Thanks.